Good morning, Grace Chapel. I don't know about you, but I am inundated with information, like too much information. Are you? I mean, everywhere you look, everybody you talk to, every channel you turn to, in the normal course of just the average day, you and I receive a lot of advice. (laughs) Uh, Some from well-meaning people, some not so well-meaning, and a lot of information from a lot of uh, different people, polar positions, varying views, it's, it's all out there, there's a plethora. And some of the voices that I, I listen to and I've watched, they present their opinions and their views in such a creative, um, clever way, you know, it's very persuasive and they've got beautiful graphics and they've got all kinds of information and he said and she said this. Uh, and they attract many followers, and, and some are even believers in everything that person says, like it's gospel truth. Uh, and it's all through the power of persuasion. It doesn't necessarily have to be true, it's just persuasive. And then there's other people out there who, and you may know some of these people, they just blurt out whatever is on their mind. <laughs> Do you know those people? Are you those people? Are you, they just blurt out whatever's on their mind, and they typically turn some people off because of the way they come across. And in the final analysis, as you're hearing all this stuff, uh, you know that some of it is true, right? Like there's some truth out there, there's some shades of truth, and some of it is not so much. Uh, and the error is so easy to see. But some of it, it's like, what, what do I believe? And what we are left with in the final analysis is to make up our own mind, each of us independent of some of the other influences that are vying for our attention. It is up to every one of us to sift for the truth, and that takes work. To pray, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to pray for insight, that you might know what is true and what is error, to know the difference even between truth and error. There has always been misinformation. Adam and Eve in the garden, misinformation from the evil one himself that led them astray and got us into this mess. And there always will be misinformation until Jesus comes back. But your, your responsibility, my responsibility as children of God is to worry about what we say. What do we say and how do we say it? Uh, to know the truth and then to communicate that truth by the power of the Spirit of God which indwells every true follower of Jesus Christ and at the end of every day to be conscience clear before God. That's our responsibility, each of us individually. And God gives us this command which I've just elaborated on over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament to both know and to speak the truth. But God also adds a huge qualifier. Huge. And this is where we typically mess up. When you hear the phrase, speak the truth in love, what do you imagine? What do you see? What do you think of? What, what comes into your mind? Um, what, what does it conjure up inside of you? A fear? <laughs> um, Intrepidation, because it means there's going to be a confrontation with somebody. It's usually when we say the phrase, right? Speak the truth, but do it in love. 
or maybe confusion for, I think, a lot of believers. What do I actually say and how do I say it? It's a really common phrase, right? Have you heard it? Have you been in the church for a while? If you've been in the church for a while, you've heard this phrase, speak the truth in love. It's used all the time, and it's used a lot here at Grace Chapel. It might be given to someone in counsel that you're talking with as the answer, maybe, maybe to a wife who doesn't know how to confront her husband about something. It might be to parents as you're trying to help them give some direction to a child who's going off the wrong way. Uh, it might be to a child who sees their parents heading down a dark path. It could be to a believer who just doesn't know how to confront a friend of theirs who they really, really care for. They love them and they want to help. What do I do? What do I say? How do I say it? It could be to an employee who doesn't know how to speak to their boss. <laughs> That's never happened to you, right? Or to a customer who's dealing with a business who lacks integrity. What do I say? What do I do? Well, can we all agree on this, at least, that speaking the truth in love in this post-truth world that we are all living in, let's get over it, it's where we are, at times is really, really hard. And it's very difficult, even for children of God. And we will often be thought of when we do speak the truth in love as old-fashioned, we could be thought of as judgmental, we could be accused of uh, profiling, uh, we could be declared and probably will be and have been as being ir not relevant at all and not helpful to society as it is. But I'm afraid, and what I see is that in response to these very, very real difficulties, whenever you and I speak the truth in love, that we may fold and just say it's not worth it. And we might relate to our families and relate in our communities by speaking lies instead of truth. Because we're all susceptible to this. We're all susceptible to appealing to people's emotions rather than their intellect. Of being friends with the world, which is so easy to do, and not being friends of Jesus Christ. It's easier to just roll with it, right? to let it slide, let it go. So, number one, what is speaking the truth in love? I think there's a lot of confusion on this. What is it really? Uh, we know it's right. We give it as advice all the time. But what is it exactly? And, and do we sometimes throw that phrase out there when we don't know what else to say to help someone? Um, this right-sounding phrase without understanding what we're actually asking that person to do, the difficult, hard work that this is going to mean for this person's life, both the, the one giving and the one receiving. What are we exactly calling ourselves as a church family to do in 2021 if we say we are from now on going to be sure that we speak the truth in love? What does that mean? The phrase, speak the truth in love, is it in the Bible, by the way? Yes, it is. Yeah, let's go there. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It's right here. Black and white. Rather, Paul says, instead of doing all this other stuff, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up 
we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. This is a way to mature, to become more like Jesus Christ, to speak the truth in love. Pretty awesome, right? But people, as I've discovered, I mean, you're sure you have too, we love to pull a verse out of its context and just slap it on a t-shirt or put it up on the screen um, or just throw it out there. If it fits a particular situation, we want to be true. We do this all the time with verses. Uh, Our personal feelings on the subject. If I look long enough from from Genesis to Revelation, I can find a verse to fit all of my opinions. I can. They're probably wrong, but I can find it. It's It's so much easier than spending the time studying hard God's Word in order to show yourself approved to actually be able to speak God's truth and live God's truth before everyone else. Here's what it is. It's basically lazy. Can I say that? I'm speaking the truth in love. (laughs) We as Christians can be so lazy. So let's resolve for 2021 as a church family to not be lazy. Are you with me? Would you you do that by raising your hand? We're not going to be lazy. Some of you are too lazy to raise your hand. It's fine. It's fine. Another way of saying that, let's resolve to put others ahead of ourselves in 2021 and speak the truth in love. To understand speak the truth in love, getting back to the context, we have to read it in the context of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And starting in verse 11 through 16, let me put it in its context. And Paul said, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to the church. Why? To equip the saints who will now do the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This is all about building up the body of Christ until we all, all of us, every one of us gather here today, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. Whoa, that's the standard. So that we may no longer be children, little babies, tossed to and fro by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine, which I just mentioned is all out and we're inundated with it every day, by human cunning, that's how it comes across, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, this is what we're supposed to do. Here it is in its context. Speaking the truth in love. You see, that's the pathway. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. Is every part of your body working properly today? (laughs) If it's not, then you know exactly what Paul's illustrating here. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So speaking the truth in love is speaking that which is biblically correct. Speaking the truth in love is is speaking, and when you do, there's this natural flow that comes from the Holy Spirit of God from a transformed life. 
And each of us are asked here to do our part properly and to speak the truth in love, what? For the benefit of the body, for the benefit of whoever needs uh, an attitude adjustment or, or, or some caution uh, as to the path they're walking or maybe some encouragement to keep going on how they're going. Maybe their attitudes or their actions. We speak in love because we love. And that begs the question. Do we love each other like we're supposed to? So, next one. Why must we speak the truth in love? And you might say, well, that's a no-brainer. Well, hold on there. Some of you are thinking, as you think about speaking the truth in love, Pete... I have enough problems in my own life. <laughs> you know, I don't want to create any new problems. And it seems that every time I speak the truth in love, I create a problem. Uh, truth often hurts. Have you ever been hurt by the truth? I mean, it's a good hurt if you respond correctly. But the truth does hurt. We've we, we, we got to understand that. And people often respond poorly to the truth about them. There's just so much blowback whenever you speak the truth in love. And I don't need that in 2021. Well, there's another biblical phrase we use a lot around here. This is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about us. This speaking the truth in love is about the spiritual warfare that is around us, and it's incessant. It's unceasing. It never, ever lets up. We are being pounded as followers of Jesus Christ every day, and some people are not even awake to that reality. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter said, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. And those are consistent, everyday, continuing action phrases he's using. Your adversary, don't forget you have one. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It could be you today. Yes, we speak the truth in love because it is a command. Paul, in Ephesians, the whole chapter, chapter 4, read it. Jesus, in Matthew 18.15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him, key word, alone. Don't post it on Facebook. That's stupid. But look at what else is possible. Jesus says, if he listens to you, and that's between him and God, you have gained your brother. Bonus. And the last words of Jesus' half-brother, James, in his letter, James chapter 5, verses 19, 20. This is how he ends the letter. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. From these passages and many, many more throughout Scripture, we discover that each of us has a responsibility to speak the truth in love, not only because it's a command. It's the right thing to do. And it's, it, 
it, it, it retains the purity of this church family and of any believer out there that you come in contact with, the relationships that we all have with each other. When we don't confront a fault in a part of the church body, it's, it, it's like when you ignore a change that's taking place in your body. For the worse, not for the better. When you have a pain that all of a sudden shows itself and you ignore it and you just say, I'm not going to the doctor. It'll go away someday, but it doesn't. And it festers and it begins to affect other members of your body. (laughs) And your whole body now aches and you're like, yeah, I should have gone to the doctor. (laughs) Go see your doctor. Go to a friend and tell them the truth. And what did James say? It will save his soul from death. Helping a person turn from the error of their way, is that not a worthy enough reason in itself? Because we love each other, right? We don't want to see each other hurt. To love somebody that much with the truth. And James goes, he said, and we cover a multitude of sins. What does he mean there? Which means that the sinning stops. The person repents and it's over instead of it festering and then maybe being exposed to other people in the church body and then they are brought down and brought low and infecting more parts of the body. It's over. Surgery's performed, done. Thank you, God. And if it's such a big deal, and I hope you're seeing in this introduction here that Scripture tells us it is a big deal. This is important for us as a church family. What, why might we avoid speaking the truth in love? What stops us from doing this consistently? Well, this is probably where we're all struggling. Fear. And the first fear is the fear of people. We are afraid of losing friendships, aren't we? We are afraid of maybe straining a relationship that's already strained, already on the edge. And unfortunately, this reason to avoid speaking the truth in love just compounds our own sin. This has blowback on us. In regards to speaking the truth of the gospel to people, here's what Paul said in Galatians 1.10. Paul warns us, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Question to ask every day. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Fear of people. How about fear of rejection? It's a very real possibility that when you and I share the truth in love, we will be labeled, even by believers, as judgmental or even self-righteous. Because that's a natural reaction, right? When when you're caught or when something's exposed and you don't want to go there and you want to deny it and you get defensive and you tell the other person, well, yeah, who are you to tell me? Well, let's let's stop for, let's be honest, because it's 2021 and We're in church, and this is how we're going to act this year. Let's be honest. 
That could actually be the case, that you and I are acting in a self-righteous, judgmental way. Let's not negate that. We don't like to think this of ourselves, especially when we believe that we've chosen the moral high ground. But if you speak the truth without love, or you have an obvious log stuck in your eye when you're attempting to clean out the speck in someone else's eye, you could be guilty of using this expression, speaking the truth in love, as a cover-up for your own sin. But if you are reproached for speaking in a loving manner, for someone else's good, and that will happen, take comfort in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. If there was anyone who spoke the truth in love, it was Jesus the Christ. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, the Father. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And another common reason why we don't speak the truth in love as often as we should is because we fear not knowing what to say. And this is a legit concern. This might be the biggest one of them all. Because after all, it is the truth that you and I have been called to communicate, not our feelings, not our opinions, not our wisdom, and if we don't know the truth because we don't spend time reading and meditating in God's word well enough to communicate the truth, we can really mess up someone else's life. We can cause division in a family, in a church. We can cause error. But it's so easily remedied. Be prepared. That's a remedy. Be prepared. Paul is clear. Now, Paul's clear in, in Romans 15, 14, that all believers, every one of us in this room who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior and is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, is able to help each other. We know that. He said, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves, he's writing to the entire Roman church, a letter to them, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another because those that are believers have the Holy Spirit of God in them. But then in places like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul tells us how to be prepared. What's our part in being prepared to help each other? And Paul says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. And what does that look like? A worker who has no need to be ashamed Rightly handling the word of truth, the word of God. We are all called to help each other. 
We all must know what the Word of God says, and we all need to grow in how to address the diversity of situations that's going to come up just in this next week in our families, at our workplace, uh, school online, all this stuff that's coming at us, that confront us, that will confront us. And there is no better time to begin your personal investigation into the treasures that are to be found in God's Word than right now. Begin today if you haven't already. And in two weeks, we're going to be embarking on a new study. And we're going to be going through the book of Daniel, the whole thing. It's going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be very life-transforming and convicting as we communicate Daniel and study it together, speaking the truth in love. So I would invite you today, this week, to start reading that amazing prophetic book. Start in chapter 1, work your way through, get in there, delve into it before we even open it up in two weeks in preparation for what God has for you personally and what God has for Grace Chapel this year. Where do you speak the truth in love? Where? And you say, well, th that's easy. Uh, uh, it's a no-brainer. My, my first inclination to, to answer that question would be, you know, obviously to others, right? This is what we've been talking about, how to speak the truth in love to others. Duh. I wouldn't begin there. I would never begin there. Speak the truth in love first to your own heart where you're at before you speak to anybody else. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. How can we possibly help anyone, friend, family, foe, if we aren't being honest with ourselves first? Are we seeing clearly? Or are we clouded by bitterness, maybe some resentment, maybe some jealousy? That's not fair. How come they get to do that and I don't? Remember our study through the Sermon on the Mount? That was just last year. <laughs> this is very, very, just shortly. We've gone through that entire Sermon on the Mount. And in particular, you should read Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, where Jesus lays it out for us, that once you're clean, then you're able, through the Holy Spirit of God, to worship God, to work for God, to sacrifice to God, to speak the truth and love to someone else in our own homes, in our places of worship like this, before and after and during service, and in the hostile world out there. How do you speak the truth in love? The biggest encouragement I can give you today is contained in one word, pray. And you're like, oh, Pete, that's your answer to every question. Just pray. Yeah, it is. And if I sound like I'm repeating myself, it's because that's what I glean from God's word, from God's truth, that this is such a powerful vehicle of communication with God that he has given to us and we neglect it. Pray while you study God's Word. Do you do that? Are you in the habit of unceasingly praying while you're reading God's Word and you're studying it? 
Pray before you open your mouth to speak God's word into someone else's life. Pray all through the process that you're communicating God's word. Do you know, and maybe you do this too, but while I'm speaking, while I'm preaching, whenever I'm teaching, I am praying to God at the same time. I have to. Pray after the conversation. It's not like, okay, there I said it, got it off my chest. Woo! You pray after the conversation that God would open up your heart first to know his truth and to live his truth as an example to the one that you've just shared with. Pray that you are not blind to the sin in your own life. Pray that they will hear the truth and that while you're speaking, those words of truth wouldn't fall on hard hearts or deaf ears. Pray afterward that the Holy Spirit of God would do the work of conviction of sin in that person's life. You see, that's not your job. It's not my job. The Holy Spirit does that when his word is presented in love. That the Holy Spirit would lead them to repentance and restoration and you'd gain a brother or sister. That they would once again know abundant life in their relationship with a loving, gracious, heavenly Father. And coupled with that unceasing prayer, and those of you who have worked with people through their issues and through their sin, you know this, requires a lot of patience. Prayer and patience. There's no easy road. You don't go meet with somebody, expose, and then it's all over, it's all done, everybody repents and you hug and everything, you know. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, to this church in Thessalonia, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, the lazy people, encourage the faint-hearted, those who are struggling in their faith and in their walk. Help the weak, Help them. Don't blast them. And be patient with who? how many of them? All of them. Be patient with them all. There's a, another expression that some churches use. It's called, um, um, my life has a sign on it. Caution. Construction zone. God's not finished with me yet. That's so true, but don't use it as an excuse. Don't use it as an excuse to not receive and to not respond to loving, truthful correction. That another sinner has taken the time, the energy, the risk to lovingly share with you. And the last thing is, so what's the result? If this is who we become and are becoming more of in this next year, what will be the result of speaking the truth in love to each other? Paul gives us several results, and I've already given you some throughout the course of the message, but in 2 Timothy 2, 25 to 26, he says, when you are correcting your opponents with gentleness, right, speaking the truth in love, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses. Isn't that what we want for the people we love who are struggling or going in a, down a dark path? We want them to come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil because that's what it is. 
after being captured by him to do his will. Repentance, a turning from sin, an about face. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there anymore. Coming to our senses, changing our thinking that has been built up in his maybe for decades and changing it. It's like someone who's been awakened out of a deep sleep and to escape the snare of the devil. He's got a bag of tricks, and he's really clever and skillful in using that bag of tricks. He knows us better than many of us know ourselves. And could it be sometimes that we don't even realize that we have been held captive by a scheme of the evil one? Blind to it, oblivious to it. We stumble around in this, as believers, in a, in a kind of sleepwalk. And we need someone to be moved by God to occasionally shake us out of that sleep before we walk into a wall or worse, fall in a pit. Speaking the truth in love is a popular phrase. It's used often in Christian circles. But let's agree to practice it. To practice it intentionally and effectively the way it's described in the Word of God and only for the glory of God. Speaking the truth in love in this post-truth world, as we've said, is challenging. It is. I'm not going to mince words. It's difficult. But a wise Christian, a truth-filled Christian, will remember the wisdom of Solomon's words in Proverbs 8, 7. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. That's a pretty good motto for maybe 2021. We're going to celebrate the truth together right now with communion. We're going to remember the Lord's Supper.